0: This is Pastor Clint Ribble, and you're listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. For more information, please visit gracepoint.net. Well, today in our series, Original Virtue, that we've been in for several months now, we're going to address the sister virtues of determination, resoluteness, perseverance. We're calling it determination today. Uh, Determination and patience. And I think the the fairly, for me, the fairly obvious reason for addressing uh, patience and determination together uh, is I think they have a natural tendency to work in tandem. Now, let me say this about determination and patience. In their non-virtuous extreme forms, and every virtue has its anti-virtue. We all know that our strengths are our weaknesses. Every virtue has its non-complementary Vice. And generally, the vice is just a misstewarded extreme form of the virtue. And when you talk about determination and patience, they both have their extreme forms that really work contrarily with the healthy form, the good form of the other. Uh, when you think about determination, bad, excessive determination, you think about stubbornness, right? Obstinacy, anybody here struggle with stubbornness? It's the flip side, the the dark side, the shadow side of determination. Stubbornness, obstinacy, um, pig-headedness, bull-headedness. My mom called it Uncle Junior, and that's a family distinction that you just have to be in our family to understand. But when she looked at me and said, you're acting like Uncle Junior, it did not mean good things. I hope Uncle Junior's not watching this morning, by the way. <laughs> Inflexibility, headstrongness, patience in its vice excess can manifest as moral laziness. I've seen a lot of people claiming patience that were just really morally lazy and indifferent.
1: Patience can
0: actually be. Um, Lack of conviction, passivity, Um, indifference I've mentioned, resignation, fear of cost, unwilling to stick its head out, that's patience in its vice form. What do we actually mean? Just so we have a bit of a common definition. What do we mean by determination and patience? What definitions are we using? Because we know words are many splintered things and sometimes you're using the third definition in Webster's and I'm using the 13th. So let's get a common idea here. Uh, determination simply is firmness of purpose. Resolve. Resoluteness of purpose. Uh, determination is a quality that makes you continue trying. Determination is a quality that makes you continue trying to do or achieve something that's difficult and especially not immediate. Determination keeps you at something. Secondly, uh, patience. Patience is that very difficult for a lot of us depending on your brain chemistry, uh, maybe your social upbringing. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay. That's something that within our culture is getting incredibly more difficult because of how handy and immediate everything is, right? I was at a little conference yesterday and... There were two or three vendors who were advertising their wares, and principally, right at the top of the list, as they were making a distinction of how they're better than other companies with whom they compete, was not just timeliness, but but quickness. Everything's got to be immediate. Our culture's pushing us that way, um, you think about the luxuries that we live with. So much of those luxuries revolve around the idea of how expeditious things now are. You know, 20 years ago, we were looking for a payphone, and now we're slapping our phones if we can't get service in 1.4 seconds, right? This thing is so slow, right? Think about where we were 20 years ago. 30 years ago, walking down the hall, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, some of you shared phones with your neighbors, right? Andy Griffith, you get on the phone and you have to wait till somebody else gets off the phone. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, the capacity to accept or tolerate trouble or suffering without complaint. Patience is the ability to tolerate delay without loss of temper or control. Is anybody convicted yet? Do you characterize yourself as a determined person? A lot of you do. Do you characterize yourself as a patient person? Uh, Patience, the ability to remain calm When waiting or dealing with problems, here's the hard one, or difficult people. Patience. The ability to remain calm when waiting on or dealing with difficult people or problems. Determination is that virtue that enables you to press on to keep going, to keep trying, to keep working at it, to stay in the game, stay at it. If determination is the virtue that allows you to stay at it, patience is the virtue that enables you to do that with grace. Let me say that again. Maybe that's the best way they link. Determination is staying at it. Patience is staying at it with grace. Patience is pressing on resolutely, yes, but with a sense not only of internal peace, but even a plume. external peace. Even if externally there's pressure and stress all around you, you're determined with grace. I, I suppose then it's appropriate to say, as I'm trying to put this together in my own mind, it's appropriate to say our goal is to be patiently determined, right? Our goal is to be determinedly patient to be committed to a purpose and to be committed with peace and trust in that meantime space because that meantime space is the space that the real soul work gets done. It's that space for your waiting. That space for the the scripture talks about the heroes of faith who walked with unrequited promises. I mean, you you can say Abraham and Sarah walked 25 years with a promise and not a child, and it takes about 3.8 seconds to say that. It takes 25 years to actually
1: live that. And what does it feel like to live with unrequited promise?
0: What What does it feel like to be king on the mountaintop, seeing the promised land and yet knowing the vast valley between. And to even resign himself in his final years to almost a morose depression, recognizing that he would not get there. Determination and patience. Jesus said, and it's so poetic within the King James, I hate to mess it up with a new translation. He said, Steve, in your patience possess ye your soul. I don't know immediately what that means, but the taste of that in my mouth says that, Toby, that means something important.
1: In your patience, you possess your soul. Oh, to be in possession of my own soul. I have to ask
0: myself then, what's it mean to not be in possession of my own soul? And again, like pornography, I don't know how to define it, but you know it when you see it. That text is such that in your patience, you have possession of your soul. And when you lose patience, you're not just out of control in terms of the circumstance, you're out of control. And worst of all, not just your body's out of control, your soul's out of control. Anybody ever try to sleep with a soul out of control? I love the story that Vance Havner, the old preacher, used to tell about his daughter who had gotten away from a good life and was just far away from the life that he and his wife had raised her to live. And Vance said he went to bed every night just worrying himself sick. And then one night he lifted the Bible off the shelf and pulled it to his chest about three o'clock in the morning and through foggy eyes, he read a text in Psalms that said, the God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. And he said something clicked inside of him. The God of Israel neither sleeps nor slumbers. And he said, I looked over at the clock and it was 3.13 and he said, I closed the Bible, put it on my chest and said, Lord, if you're staying up, I think I'm gonna go on to bed. That's
1: called getting in possession of your soul. So to be determined to a purpose and to be committed to that
0: purpose with a peace and a trust that in the meantime space, in that space before the purpose is achieved, I can have the peace of God that Paul said passes understanding. At the heart, I think I wanna back up a bit and just say at the heart, and probably this is implied by some of the things I've already said, but to be clear, at the heart of this virtuous tandem of determination and patience, there are a couple of elements that we cannot miss, and I think they need to be noted. Components of determination and patience that are indispensable, and first, to have virtuous determination and patience, first of all, there has to be a righteous cause or a good purpose implied. Remember, if I go back to the definition, determination is firmness of purpose. Have you ever seen anyone firm in a bad purpose? I have. I myself have been firm at times in bad purposes. You ever worked really hard to climb a ladder and when you finally climbed the ladder, you stood on the roof and realized that it was the wrong building?
1: You ever spent a lot of energy in a fight, got to the end of the fight and realized that it wasn't God's fight, it was yours?
0: Virtuous determination absolutely indicates that the cause has gotta be righteous. If you're firm in a purpose, the purpose has gotta be good because to be determined for an unrighteous cause and to be determined for a bad purpose I I think often, and on this Independence Day weekend, the the thoughts that come to your mind, I think about those guys that flew planes into the World Trade Center. I remember when President Bush called them cowards, and I, I agreed, I wanted to call them every bad name in the book, but when he called them cowards, Donna, I thought, cowards? They died for a purpose. They were lots of things. I don't know that they were cowards. Think of every bad name you can think of, but they were firm in their purpose. Righteous determination is not to be determined for an unrighteous cause or a bad purpose because if you're determined for a bad purpose, it's at, base, at worst evil. At best, it's wasteful and foolish. All that energy. Virtuous determination assumes not only a purpose to focus on, but a good and a right and a noble purpose. B.C. Forbes said, search and you will find that at the base and the birth of every great organization was an enthusiast, a person who was consumed with earnestness of purpose, confidence in their powers, and most of all, faith in the worthwhileness of their endeavors. Oh, Craig, to have faith in the worthwhileness of our endeavors. Virtuous determination assumes not just purpose but a good one. Second, virtuous determination and patience assumes trust or humble confidence. And I should say trust and humble confidence in God. Trust that as Julian said, all manner of things shall be well. Trust that the moral arc of the universe bends toward justice. And I've got to admit that sometimes, at times, the moral arc bending toward justice through tears, through the prism of pain, it can even become imperceptible in its bent. Worse, at times, it looks like it's bending in the wrong direction. That's what tears can do to the vision. But patience is resting on the fact that the moral arc of the universe bends toward justice, that love never fails, that I am not alone in this cause, that even when, like Elijah, I say, I'm the only one, God says, what are you talking about? There are thousands of people. You may not be able to see them, but this doesn't completely depend upon me. I'm not alone in this cause. I may be an important part of this cause, but I am not the whole. So virtuous resolve, virtuous perseverance, virtuous patient determination is the result of believing deeply in the right things and trusting that God has created the universe to that end. And sometimes that's hard to believe. But down deep in my soul Buck, there's something that tells me in the midst of the striving
1: that God is standing somewhere in the shadows, somewhere at the wings, somewhere somewhere in the ashes of burned churches,
0: somewhere in the battered and broken bodies of those who stood for right, somewhere in the margins, go
1: deeply to the margins find yourself with the repressed and you will always be near God. Patience is born of an immutable trust that God has created the universe to
0: that end that one day all manner of things shall be well and the kingdoms of men shall become the kingdom of God and the lion will lie down with the lamb. We are a people, this is part of our Christian faith, this is a part of our creed that we have to remind ourselves of periodically. We believe that right things and good causes are not just ours, but right things and good causes. It's not just some organic function, survival of the fittest, the effectiveness of the reptilian brain to survive. No, we believe that this world is spiritual and we believe that right things and good causes are the irrepressible manifestation of God's image and, and manifested in creation. We believe that this irrepressible image of God manifest in creation through causes and right things, we believe that we have the luxury and the privilege if we so choose to lend our free will, our energy, and our lives to these things. And we believe that it is wise to courageously, doggedly, and peacefully commit our lives to things and to causes bigger than ourselves, because there is no cause, though bigger than ourselves, that is not beyond ourselves. because as John Donne said, we are all a part of one another. Ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. If the tiniest pebble falls off into the great ocean, it is no more or less than if the promontory and the butte goes into the same. We are a part of one another, And where anyone is diminished, we are diminished. Where any church is burned, our church is burned. And until there is peace for everyone, there is no full and true peace for anyone. That's what we believe in. That's what we trust. That is the kingdom called God's. And so you sit back in the middle of all that. That may seem esoteric and beyond, but you sit back and you practically begin to ask your questions Your self questions, and I, I didn't ask them of you. I first thought about these questions this week for me. As it relates to determination and patience, I ask myself, would it be said of me by the people nearest me that I am a determined person or a stubborn person? Stop for a minute and ask yourself the question. Am I a determined person or a stubborn person?
1: Do I fight for the right or do I fight for the fight? Do I want love to win or do I love to win?
0: Oh, that's a good one, write that down. And I came up with that one myself. Humility is another virtue we're going to work on later, but.
1: (laughs) Am I a determined person or a stubborn person? Do I fight for the right and the good, or do I fight for the fight? Am I morally committed or immaturely competitive? Come on now. Am I morally committed or am I immaturely competitive? Do I want love to win or do I love to win? Do I want truth to prevail or am I so desperately insecure that I simply want to win the argument? Am I a patient person who with faith and trust lives peacefully in the
0: fight and the storm and the waiting? Or am I really just a passive person who looks peaceful but is actually just devoid of conviction and courage? The reason you have to ask questions like this and prove yourself spiritual by being able to back up and look at yourself is because these types of questions They strike to the heart, they strike to the motive. They they strike so cuttingly to the heart and the motive that I have to back up and say, I probably even need
1: to have the people around me that love me most help me with these. Because the word of the Lord cuts between bone and marrow, work and intent. And these questions are so
0: vital in our spiritual work because it's, it's so easy to create cheap religious facsimiles. External forms of religion that look good in function, that look real but are actually just hollow veneers. To use a real estate term, a realtor's term, just pretty elevations with no home behind them. Stage sets in a western movie Big front, no substance. It is so easy, Paul said, to have a form of godliness and yet be denying the very thing. Every time I think of a form of godliness but denying the real power, I think about concrete forms. I remember, Don, when they were pouring these forms out here and we were building this building. I remember I saw a bunch of those concrete things that you pull up to with your car, you know, that stop you. What are those called? Concrete things that you pull your car up to that stop you. I saw a bunch of them, and I remember telling the guy who was working out here, I said, wow, why did they, why did they pour those over there? Now they're gonna have to carry them and set them everywhere. He said, oh, those aren't, those aren't real, those are the forms. Those aren't real, they're the forms. And Scott, I went over two of them, and sure enough, they weren't the concrete, they were the light metal forms that were hollow, but they looked exactly like the real. I kicked them in their light. Think about it, having
1: a form of godliness, but denying the real power. All of these
0: virtues, if you work too hard at them, you're probably headed toward a form
1: because you really don't work toward virtues as much as you allow them to work in you. Patient determination is born of wisdom
0: because it takes wisdom to know what is the right purpose. Patient determination is born not only of a wisdom that indicates the right purpose but patient determination is born of a sincerity that allows me to see, even when I'm giving my body to be burned, that it might be for a medal, not an honor, of love.
1: If you give all you have to the poor but have not love, hmm. Patient determination is
0: born of wisdom, it's born of sincerity, it's born of honesty, it's born of courage that we might, we might be willing to face whatever consequences the right cause yields. And I gotta say as I just kinda come down the home stretch here that patient determination has been modeled for us. Uh, it's been modeled for us well. The writer of the New Testament book, The Epistle to the Hebrews, he actually spent his entire 11th chapter reinforcing what I've really been trying to speak to here And he cites human example after human example after human example of those who have walked faithfully, trustingly, peacefully,
1: doggedly, resolutely, patiently, peacefully with what the Apostle Paul called the heavenly vision, with what Jesus often called the kingdom of God.
0: I want to read. Just a few verses from this great chapter, Hebrews 11, and Tabitha will just kind of go through them sequentially here, so hang with me. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, it's the conviction of things not seen, the ability to walk with unrequited promise, the ability to stay committed to a cause in the absence of its full effect. Indeed, it was by faith that our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understood that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what's seen was made from things that are not even visible. Look at verse 8 as he kind of fleshes this out in a human form. Talks about Abraham, the father of the Judeo-Christian faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out a long way away, not knowing where he was going, but by faith he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land. Living in tents, as did Isaac. And unrequited promise, unfulfilled promise, but he stayed with it, and he lived in tents, though he were promised mansions. And, and Jacob, these people who were heirs with him, of the same promise for he looked forward to the city that had foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. He was committed, he walked with a promise, and there was a measured trust in him, that the one who had made the promise was true. In spite of all indications to the contrary, Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born. As many as the stars of heaven, and as innumerable as the grains of the sands by the seashore. And all of these folk died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them.
1: They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. Alfred Adler, the great psych-
0: psychiatrist said, it's easier to fight for one's principles than live up to them. And social media is a great good, but the next time you go to social media or every time I go to social media, I remind myself it is easier to fight for one's principles than live up to them. Make sure that whatever you say, you're also living.
1: Fanaticism is redoubling your effort when you've forgotten its cause. Can I say that again?
0: Fanaticism is redoubling your effort when you've forgotten its cause. Abraham never forgot the cause. Look at verse 32 through 40 really quickly here. And what more should I say? I could go on and on about people like this who had a cause and they stuck with it. Time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword. That's dogged determinism, determination. They won strength out of weakness. They became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others. Boy, I wish he would have just stopped after the resurrection, but others were tortured, refusing to accept release. Dogged, patient determination. They believed in a better resurrection. Some suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Some were stoned to death, they were sawn in two. It still happens today. People suffer for
1: causes of justice and the right. Son in two. They were killed by the sword.
0: They went about sewn up in skins of sheep and goats. They would sew them up in skins of sheep and goats and set them in the wilderness to be torn apart. Destitute, persecuted, tormented. Why would anybody put themselves through that? How could anybody survive that with a plum or patience? And then this wonderful insert,
1: of whom the world was not worthy. When the great among us die, when people are wounded at the hands of injustice,
0: just knowing that there's a God somewhere who receives them and says the world wasn't worthy of you anyway, gives me some sense of peace. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground, yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not apart from us be made perfect. And of course, we saw that come in Jesus Christ. That's why when he said it's finished, the graves burst open and all these folks came out of the graves rejoicing in the streets of Jerusalem, celebrating the fullness of the promise that they died on mountaintops having not seen. And finally, the last text that all of this kind of culminates into is the 12th chapter. As as the 12th chapter begins, just a few verses there. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we're surrounded by people who have paid prices that we will never pay. (laughs) We are surrounded by models of courage and determination and Soulish patience that perhaps we will never have opportunity to live fully into. But oh how inspiring they are for these small missions that I take, these small visions that I have, these little parts that I can play in this building of a kingdom called God's. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance. The old King James says patience.
1: Let us run with perseverance, patience, the race that is set before us. I will never,
0: I won't have Solzhenitsyns, Mandelas, Kings, Mother Teresas, I will never have their race, but I have my race.
1: And let me run with patience, the race set before me, and how do I do that?
0: In the midst of the weariness, how do you do that? And I hear Paul in Galatians six, "Say, be not weary in well-doing." And I think we all know there is a weariness that comes from wrongdoing, but there is also a weariness that comes with
1: right-doing. There's a weariness that comes with. Right doing. Paul knew that and he said, don't be weary in well-doing for, and we
0: lean in. Give me one good reason not to be weary in well-doing. Paul said, don't be weary in well-doing for in due season you'll reap if you don't faint. Anybody ever fainted?
1: Anybody ever felt like you were gonna faint? Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you don't faint. Amazing that 47 years after a
0: young father spills his blood on the balcony of a Lorraine Motel, amazing that churches are
1: still being burned and that flags are still being removed from buildings and don't be
0: weary in well-doing, for in due season. And the plaintive cry is, when is due season?
1: When is the right time, O Lord? How long? For in due season you will reap if you don't faint. How do you keep from fainting? We look unto Jesus, the
0: pioneer, the perfecter, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised is a better word than disregards its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. How do you not get weary in well-doing? How do you stick at the right? How do you stick determined? How do you stay patient in the cause? You look to Jesus, and you consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. The old King James says, so let us consider him who endured such hostility from sinners,
1: lest we become weary and discouraged in our souls. We look to him, verse 11 finally. Now discipline,
0: these periods of determined patience, discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later, In due season, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, here's what we do. We gather together on days like this, and we lift our drooping hands, and we strengthen our weak knees, and we make straight paths for our feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed, and we pursue peace with everyone and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Can you say amen? In other words, and I close with this simple prayer for you. Find in this life things that are worth dying for and then for crying out loud live for them because you're probably never going to have to die for them. Find things in this life that are worth dying for and live for them. Commit to them determinedly. Live patiently in the process, knowing that this is God's kingdom, not yours. Close the Bible
1: and give the rest of the night to the Lord's watch since he's staying up. Go on to sleep. And as we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith,
0: we pray that God would grant us clear vision,
1: because God knows I don't want to waste my life fighting for the wrong cause. God grant us clear vision. Help us to quit asking you to join
0: our battles. Help us to ask where are your battles and join them. Help us to quit praying God bless what we're doing and be about the business of finding what God's blessing and do that because God's blessing things everywhere. Grant us clear vision, grant us strength of resolve, grant us patient trust, grant us peace in the waiting, and grant us humble gratitude in every victory of the good and the beautiful. Ross Parmenter said the need for devotion to something outside of ourselves is even more profound than the need for companionship. If we are not to go to pieces in this world or wither away into oblivion, we must all have some purpose in life. For God's sake, may it be the right one. For no person can actually live well for themselves alone. And one of my favorite writers, Tom Fuller, M.D., if you ever get a chance to read about the stories from his practice, read Thomas Fuller, M.D. Fuller said, she is a poor person indeed who can promise nothing to
1: no one. Find something in your life. Find something in this world worth promising
0: for, worth dying for, and for crying out loud, worth living for. As Golda Meir says, I can honestly honestly say that I was never affected by the question of the success of an undertaking. Because if I felt it was the right thing to do, I was for it regardless of the outcome.
1: Determination and patience. Weariness and insecurity.
0: Oh God, grant us a vision of a kingdom that we all might, like Abraham, pick up and live peacefully with unrequited promise until the kingdom of God comes full to this earth. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. And as we pause to sincerely pray, with
1: our heads bowed and our hearts genuflected towards you, as our hearts are stilled right now, I know for a fact that there are people in this room who are worn out. They don't feel like they can put one foot in front of another. They don't feel like they can take one more step. And all the way, Lord,
0: imperfect as they are, they feel like they're fighting for the right thing.
1: They are rebuffed. This plays out in families. It plays out in finances. It plays out at work. It's not always grand
0: causes and civil rights movements. It's not always the building of nations.
1: Sometimes it's in the struggle of raising children. Sometimes it's in the desperation to stick with a business that you thought
0: was a gift from God and is dying all around you. To stay with a dream and a passion and to try to find the wisdom to know when to let go and hope for a resurrection and when to keep shocking the chest of that thing. Doing mouth to mouth and Efforting for resuscitation. Oh God, give weary people in well-doing. Give them strength today as we go forth from here. Give that mother, that father, that wife, that husband, that boss, that employee.
1: Give strength today as we leave this place. May we have
0: your determination May we find your patience and may in the end we go to sleep tonight allowing the peace of God
1: that passes all understanding to rule in our hearts. I pray this for my beloved brothers and sisters right now. Lift up their drooping arms strengthen their buckling knees,
0: stern their chin, resolve their backbone by grace this
1: morning. Remind them their cause is worthwhile. I pray, Lord, this strength for one and all. In your name, the
0: name of the one that we look to, lest we become weary and discouraged in our souls. Thank you, Lord. Now may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And God's people said, now be good to one another. Lift up one another's arms and strengthen one one another's knees. Go in God's grace. We'll see you in the house of the Lord.